Previously on the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. I hesitate to say that simplicity is is the is a goal because sometimes simplicity isn't possible in tech. But more than simplicity, I think is is uh, the human awareness. Right. So you build an app, however simple it is. If I don't have awareness, I I can't use. It. Think about the first time you had to use a mobile phone, or you had to show your mum how to use a mobile phone, or somebody who's older, and you realize that even the feature phones, as simple as they are, it may have taken you know an older person a few minutes to understand their way around texting, for example. To listen to this episode and more, find the Civic Tech in Africa podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vids. Everybody, welcome to the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. My name is Natim Gregua, and we are so happy for you to join us again today. You are joining us at the beginning of a series of episodes looking at the work of the Charter Project Africa. The Charter Project Africa is a three-year Pan-African initiative supporting civil society to promote continental commitments contained in the Africa Charter on Democracy, Elections, and Governance. This charter being the Central African Union policy document to advance democratic governance in the African Union member states. The Charter Project Africa initiative is led by six member organizations, which we will learn more about in this episode. Please check out today's show notes to learn more about this project. But before we begin, I want to tell you that this episode is co-funded by the European Union. Its contents are the sole responsibility of the Charter Project Africa and not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union. To get us started with the Charter Project Africa series, we'll be talking to Andrew Songa and Ada Joa. Andrew is a lawyer and human rights advocate in the areas of legal research, policy formulation and analysis, domestic and international policy advocacy and civic education. Ada is a project manager at the Civio Institute. Her work in the development sector with regional and international organizations extends over 10 years. Today, my guests join me to talk about the Charter Project Africa and their respective involvements in this project. Andrew and Ada, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Happy to be here as well. Uh, I'm happy to have you both. Uh, in today's episode, uh, we're going to take a deep dive into the project and look at the grantees as well. Uh, so we know that uh, Ada is uh, one of the beneficiaries of the project. But we're going to start talking to Andrew, who heads up this project. Uh, we had started introducing this project last season with Justin Ernstin. Uh, so we started talking about what the aims of the project are. But we're going to sort of do a recap here with Andrew. Andrew, I don't know if you're, you're willing to do this, but um, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about the project and what it, it, it seeks to do. Um, thank you. Uh, just as you touched on a bit earlier, we are a Pan-African initiative consisting of six civil society organizations, four within the continent and two from Europe. Um, just to highlight who they are, we have Africtivist and the Bore Institute uh, from Senegal, who are both uh, organizations that emphasize citizen engagement on matters of governance. Africtivist bringing together a collection of continental um, bloggers and, 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 and online activists that are seized of key debates on governance on the continent. Gore Institute having a long-standing record on documenting and researching and highlighting key issues on governance um, around the West African region. And then you also have uh, Democracy Works Foundation from South Africa, which also has a similar profile of investing in citizen engagement on democratic governance matters. Code for Africa that is renowned uh, for the work they do in terms of developing civic technology tools that boost um, not only open governance, but also citizen engagement in matters of governance. And then you have the two European partners, which are ECDPM, that is a policy think tank that is very much seized on the European Union-African Union relations and in this project focusing on key elements of that relationship and how it impacts democratic governance of the continent. And my home organization, which is the European Partnership for Democracy, that is a largely member-based network that uh, brings together different organizations that advocate for citizen engagement in democratic governance issues and serves as a secretariat for this project. Um, so the Charter Project Africa brings together these organizations because we seek to advance citizen engagement on the implementation of the African Charter of Democracy, Elections and Governance. 
but primarily through um, emphasizing the use of civic technology to amplify citizens' voices. And so, as you've mentioned, we do have a series of grantees under the project whom we have supported to either incubate or amplify their innovative projects that seek to bridge the gap between policymakers and citizens through using uh, civic technology platforms to boost dialogues around a series of governance issues. But beyond supporting grantees, we also do have other elements um, of activities that we undertake under the project to boost our overall goal of citizen engagement around the ACTEC. Um, and this is also undertaking a series of um, uh, digital engagement initiatives, such as um, conducting a series of thematic webinars that bring together individuals, citizens, and different policymakers from within the African Union to debate contemporary issues around uh, democratic governance, such as the challenge of unconstitutional changes of government, which we're seeing on the continent. We also seek to have a series of regional engagements that bring together multi-stakeholders um, from the national, uh, regional, and continental level to also discuss common pathways of boosting citizen engagement. Um, and then also engaging very directly with uh, key institutions within the African Union, uh, in particular, the African governance architecture, which is concerned with engaging states to make sure that they do live up to their obligations um, under the ACDEG. And we boost um, that level of engagement with policymakers um, with the final component of the project, which is policy analysis and strategy, where we do undertake a series of researches uh, that are aimed to provide some evidence-based um, platforms for our advocacy on how civic technology can be of important use to both policymakers and citizens in pushing dialogues on democratic governance, uh, but then also uh, highlighting um, some suggestions on how we think um, the implementation of the act that can be much improved uh, from the perspective of civil society. Um, I hope that uh, provides a very good overview and picks up from um, the last series of episodes in which you introduced the Charter yeah. Project Africa. Thank you so, so much for that. And I, and I like that when I was reading about the project itself, I mean, one of the key components of it is collaboration, right? And, and I see that even from the top level, the high level, there is collaboration with these six organizations coming together with their expertise to guide um, the, the vision of the, the project itself. I'm very interested in how we went about choosing, and I know Ada is, gonna, is, is one of the grantees, uh, how you went about choosing some of these grantees to participate uh, in, in this project. And maybe to add to that, you know, and what is their sort of individual, and I know there's, you sort of stated the, the different things that were going to be done by this project. What is the involvement of these different initiatives in reaching the objectives of the project itself? Thank you. So um, one of the key pillars of this project, of course, was always going to be seeking to support innovative approaches by civil society organizations around the continent who are either exploring the use of civic technology or are seeking to upskill the use of civic technology right. to boost um, citizen engagement with different uh, levels of policy actors and hopefully then expand the spaces for conversations on how the African Charter of Democracy Elections and Governance can be implemented. Right. Um, and I have to admit, um, when we did issue out the call, um, we were both impressed and overwhelmed by the multitude of uh, applications and creative uh, projects uh, that we received. Right. Um, but then, of course, uh, as is always the case with this kind of projects, you do have to reconcile insatiable demand with limited resources. Mm. And so we then had to take up the very difficult task of distilling all those very rich applications into um, a small number of uh, initiatives that we could then support. Uh, but then to get there, what we were then looking for were at least um, some elements of within the projects that could indicate um, a very strong sense of understanding of the context within which the initiative was going to operate. Right. Um, a very strong commitment of empowering citizens to have direct uh, engagements with policymakers right. and also to sensitize those citizens on the issues um, were very key elements uh, that we were focusing on. And then the ability to try and just project um, some aspect of sustainability uh, for the initiative, that, that in fact, the organizations we are tapping to support 
um, do have a projection of really um, inculcating or embedding civic technology as a key strategic approach uh, to their future advocacy. And mm -hmm. so with those parameters, we then set about selecting um, a very difficult process, but had to be done. Then we went about selecting uh, the grantees that we do have. And uh, of course, CVO Institute uh, became one of those grantees that we are particularly happy with yeah. uh, in terms of the work they've been able to do, which I'm sure we'll get into. So I, I like the fact that you've touched on the civic tech of, of it all and civic tech being playing a, quite a central role in, in, so in, in how you selected these initiatives. So all of these organizations that you have under this uh, project people are focusing on on civic tech and, and how important was this the tech of it all this aspect of tech in selecting these people was it the main focus it was a very uh, key it was a central focus for this particular aspect of the project and this grants uh, because as I did mention previously um, a key plank of this project is to amplify citizens voices and citizens engagement right. through the use of civic technology because we realize that um, uh, besides mainstream or traditional advocacy, which is the in-person conversations you can have with policymakers, which is the grassroots meetings you can have um, with citizenry, we do recognize that there is a potential of expanding constituencies that engage with these issues mm -hmm. through using digital engagement and civic technology platforms. We've seen this um, particularly in the last three years especially with the onset of the COVID pandemic, when we all had to um, then uh, go through the, the lockdown periods and we um, had to stay isolated and not have uh, direct engagements for a while, we then realized that there was a lot of potential that could be tapped into by using virtual platforms, uh, by facilitating digital engagement. Um, and, and so consolidating those lessons and asking ourselves, how do we sustain conversations um, on the civic platform that can then impact democratic governance became a driving force uh, for us when we were constructing these grants. And beyond that also, there's the potential that we then realize civic technology presents in bolstering um, continental solidarity, I would call it, mm. uh, creating linkages between different initiatives, different movements that are grappling with similar challenges of democratic governance within their contexts, but now getting them to have conversations together mm. uh, using some of these platforms and sharing ideas um, with each other and then using these platforms to magnify the ideas that work in the hope that they can be um, replicated or that they can inspire others to also take up those kind of approaches in their advocacy. So this was definitely a primary uh, consideration for us. Yeah, I said earlier that the Africa, African Charter on Democracy Elections and Governance sort of informs the genesis of this project itself. Could you speak a little bit about, about that and why that is, was important? So the African Charter on Democracy Elections and Governance, which I've been calling the ACDEG, yeah. is the central feature of this project um, alongside the plan of civic technology because the ACDEG embodies um, the African Union's commitments and shared values on democratic governance. By that I mean, member states of the African Union through this uh, instrument came together to affirm that democracy, rule of law, uh, the promotion and protection of human rights and upholding of constitutionalism are values they share in common as African states, and they therefore recognize them to be African shared values. Mm. And um, the, this instrument therefore becomes a platform through which um, the, the African Union member states can be held accountable by each other, by civil society, and by other stakeholders in terms of ensuring that their actions and their, their interactions with the public do uphold those key principles of democracy, rule of law, human rights, and constitutionalism. And beyond that aspect of accountability, it then also introduces a sense of moral authority um, that then um, in every aspect of interactions that our governments have with us as an African citizenry, that they should be able to adjudge their, their conduct and their, their visions and their ambitions against these very critical values. 
And that if they fail to live up to these values, this instrument then provides a pathway to us as citizens try uh, pursuing um, remedies or seeking to correct um, the errant actions of some of the government actors um, who are responsible for realizing um, these values. So what kind of um, values do this, uh, does this instrument distill into? It provides very clear benchmarks and standards on critical issues such as what it means to have free, fair, and credible elections mm. uh, in a country. It talks about what it means to have effective uh, participation of women in, in governance affairs, as well as other marginalized groups. Uh, it also emphasizes the importance of um, independent institutions so that we can uphold constitutionalism. And that means independent judiciaries, independent law enforcement agencies, um, and as well as uh, frameworks for accountability from uh, the executive where we could hold ministries and as well even as parliaments accountable to the public. Right. It then also reflects on how you can ensure that engagement of the public in, the, in terms of public participation in matters of governance is effective public participation and not nominal public participation. How right. do you consult the public on policies? All these are enumerated within the Act again. That makes it a very critical instrument to, be, to serve as a benchmark on gauging the state of governance in any given country, uh, country in Africa. And then most importantly, it then also guides us um, to uh, overcome certain key challenges that we see on the continent, like we've seen in the last two years, the very concerning trend of the return of military coups and other forms of unconstitutional changes of government. Right. It is this instrument um, that gives us the framework on how to respond to those challenges and how to even effectively sanction uh, some of the errant governments and states that run afoul of these important values. Right. And I'm so interested in that, um, you know, the, the architect itself and how we see our grantees now having some influence um, in their regions with their governments, etc., and ensuring that those governments in which they exist are able to put into practice some of the objectives set out in, in, in the charter. And I know that perhaps we have all these webinars and these regional engagements and uh, we engage the African Union in some way. Is there a way to ensure, and, I, and perhaps, you know, maybe I'm asking a question that's not relevant to us here. Is there a way to ensure that these objects are, is there a benchmark that we, we want to reach and say, you know, once we've done this, we know that we have achieved the goals of the ACDEC? So the ideal outcome for the project, and what I would call the ultimate end goal, is that we have um, sustained and robust public ownership of the ACDEG and its principles mm. by the everyday citizen in engaging their governments. Right. That we want to make the ACDEG tangible in the key asks that the public have of their governments. Right. And so to do this, we need a public that is strongly aware of these very important values, right. that is strongly aware of the obligations that states have to, re to, to implement these values, to report on the progress they're making in implementing these values, mm -hmm. and that they're also able to connect these values to the daily challenges and interactions they have yeah. with their leadership and their policymakers at the most local of levels. Right. And this is why some of the initiatives we've supported under the project are very exciting to me and um, give a lot of promise. Right. Uh, not to delve too much into what um, will be discussed a bit later, but if I just use some illustrative examples, um, the work being done by Civio Institute um, that essentially distills political commitments um, into a tracker that can be put online right. and that the public can interact with and therefore be able to say, this government promised this during political campaigns, mm. what have they delivered now? What have they failed to deliver? And what is um, slightly implemented becomes a very important tool in strengthening and bolstering um, the, the public in holding their governments to account, right. in understanding 
uh, that there are certain governance benchmarks that governments must meet and that there are certain obligations that they made within their campaigning that must also be related to the overall obligations they have um, around the ACDEG and that we can then hold them accountable on that right. standard. We do have other uh, initiatives such as uh, one in Kenya by a grantee that we are supporting known as Mzalendo Trust. Right. And what they've done is they've, they created a platform that actually uploads proposed laws um, onto a platform and then invites the public to comment on those uh, proposed laws, to make suggestions on amendments, and that those suggestions can be consolidated uh, into a memorandum that is then presented to parliament and has a direct impact on the lawmaking process um, as it goes on in real time. This expands um, the understanding of the public um, with regards to their lawmaking processes and also demystifies the lawmaking process because we do realize when you turn on your television and you look at the members of parliament debating clauses of proposed laws and uh, talking about different motions, it can be a bit um, isolating or disengaging and, and, and intimidating for some. But to create a platform that then breaks down these laws, invites you to, in the very simplest ways, send in a sentence and say, you know, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with what I've read in this particular clause, and I think this is what should be changed, and this is what would benefit the public, and that that small view is consolidated with others and has a direct impact uh, on, on, on the legal making process by being submitted to members of parliament, I think right. is a way of enhancing public participation and boosting that element of citizen engagement that is a key pillar um, of the ACDEG. A similar project is also uh, being supported within the Southern African region, where a platform has been created to consolidate petitions uh, on, on, on a myriad of, of, of governance issues that um, are affecting um, communities at a given time, and that those petitions are then consolidated and uh, directed uh, to the relevant uh, uh, policymakers right. as and when required. So in, in an overall nutshell, what we then see are investments in projects that we hope um, inspire stronger public engagement with governance issues, um, create tangible connections between the values of the ACDEG and day-to-day -day challenges uh, that the public face, and bridging the gap between those who wield power and, and those who are the rights holders uh, that are the public. Right. And, and hopefully, through continuously supporting this kind of projects, at the end of the cycle, we will be able to talk about an expanded constituency of, 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 of civil society organizations that are seized uh, of the ACDEG as a tool they can use in their day-to-day -day advocacy, yeah. an expanded level of public engagement on these issues. And then, of course, we will also have a series of resources that we will have generated in the project through research, through different fellowships we've commissioned, and that these resources will outlive the project and be a source of inspiration for those who want to undertake advocacy around governance right. issues. I'm so happy that we, we, we've done this. I mean, so perhaps, uh, I know you've probably touched on this, but what, what, what support are these um, uh, grantees looking at from the project itself? So beyond the um, modest financial support that we accord um, to the grantees to be able to implement um, their projects, we have also been able to have um, a bit of a fellowship program where we link the grantees to a series of civic tech fellows uh, being coordinated by Code for Africa. Right. And that these civic tech fellows help the grantees where required to you know, tease out their ideas, develop their ideas a bit further, uh, maybe provide some level of technical assistance and support uh, to ensuring that their platforms function to the optimum level that they would want. Uh, and then outside the fellowship program, there is also the element of what we call matchmaking, where we do try and link the grantees to different uh, policy advocacy spaces with uh, different African um, union actors. Um, a very good example is um, in September last year, um, we were fortunate to bring together 
um, two of our grantees, that is Civio Institute and Zalendo Trust um, from Kenya, to join us um, during a session of the Pan-African Parliament, where they were able to then participate um, in a conversation with uh, a specific committee within the Pan-African Parliament on what it would mean to collaborate um, between civil society and the Pan-African Parliament on realizing the shared values on democratic governance. And they also got an opportunity to provide some uh, insight on the nature of their projects and how they are impacting the, the, the local context um, of engagement on, 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 on this series of democratic governance issues, and also creating connections with critical actors like the Economic, uh, Social and Cultural Council, which is essentially the platform for civil society within the African Union, and, and getting them to interact with them and getting ECOSOC to be aware of the very valuable work that our grantees are doing in the hope that down the road they would become uh, people that ECOSOC can rely on as thematic experts um, within the different clusters they convene to address uh, certain issues like public participation and, and civil and political rights. Right. So this is the kind of support we've been trying to provide uh, to the grantees, one that sees them um, optimize the innovative ideas they provide us with, but then also expanding the spaces of engagement that they can have with different policy actors. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm so I'm so happy you've done this. And, um, you know, uh, people are interested in, in finding out about the project, about the six organizations organizing this this project. Please go to the show notes uh, and, and, and learn more about this. As we go along in this series, we're going to be learning about the different initiatives that are involved, the different grantees that are involved in this project. So uh, keep up with the uh, Civic Tech in Africa podcast to learn more about these initiatives. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Andrew, we're now going to talk to Edda, who is one of the grantees um, uh, for the Charter Project Africa. And she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, the work that she does with uh, Civio Institute. Hi, Edda. Hi, how are you? Yes, we already said hi to you at the top of this, uh, I, just in case people have forgotten that you are in the room here with us. I want us to talk a little bit about the Civio Institute and what did the project, what it does and, and what it aims to do. Sure. Um, so just a little bit of history about Civio Institute. We're a think tank. Um established in 2018 um, that's really focused on looking at and you know reimagining or reshaping the questions around development and democracy uh, across the African continent and our aim is to contribute towards a more inclusive society where citizens are at the center of socio-economic policy and then working with citizens to enhance their agency so our work is across three strands of work, um, civic engagement. Then we also have a strand of work around philanthropy and communities, and then finally on entrepreneurship and financial inclusion. So this initiative with the Africa Charter Fund was housed in our unit of uh, civic engagement and was really focused on enhancing and increasing government accountability um, using an online tracking tool where we track the policy promises that governments make at election time and post-election and the steps that they make towards achieving or fulfilling those policy promises um, throughout their five or four-year term of office. So it built on an existing initiative that we had started as Civil Institute called Zim Citizens Watch, which was our pilot. So tracking the policy promises of the Zimbabwean government that came into office in August, 2018. And we now got a chance to expand the initiative through the Africa Charter Fund into Malawi and Zambia um, and begin that similar kind of process. We also realized that the whole issue and challenges of accountability um, and citizens being able to hold their governments to account is is not unique to just one country across the continent. It's right. it's an Africa wide issue. Um, democracy at this stage has really been reduced to just elections, and citizens um, have five minutes of power mm. with, on the day of voting. But we're like really, yeah, democracy really starts. <laughs> 
the day after elections. Right. Um, how then are citizens and government going to work together, you know, to like advance development? Yeah. I like that. And I, and I think when you introduced uh, Sivio Institute, you said that, uh, you know, the, the work that you're doing focuses on uh, citizen-led democracy. I'm very interested in, in what Sivio uh, Institute views as an ideal citizen-led uh, democracy. What does that look like? How does it materialize itself in the work that you do as as Sivio Institute? So for us... We at the center of this of the citizen-led or focused democracy is what we call the with approach, governance with citizens. Um, and really citizens being at the fore and at the center of decision-making processes and the kind of development that they want to see. So as I highlighted right now democracy has been reduced to just elections, right. you know, and if you have what are considered or termed free and fair elections, that's like you've ticked the checklist or the checkbox for, you know, for democracy um, right. or, you know, you, you have a season or, you know, um, I think like right now, you know, the focus really is like, you know, on the term limits and um, a change or, you know, you see someone new coming into office and that sort of thing and you think oh okay because there's been that transition you know um the country you know the continent is getting more and more democratic um yes elections are a part of the democratic process but they're not sufficient um so for us you know why then the focus on civic engagement um as I said, it's building up that agency um, and providing the necessary tools and information. So in the case of, you know, the policy tracker, it's really a tool information to advance that engagement, you know, that robust engagement between citizens and their governments around what has been done, what hasn't been done, where are the mm. shortfalls, um, how then do we work together to advance, you know, or, you know, to push those um those policy promises, because uh, look, you, you know, you you look and see the you know um, political manifestos. There's nothing inherent. It's not like political parties, you know, or governments are pushing negative things. You know, it's always right. positive. We want right. to build houses. We want to advance development, healthcare for all. You know, improve quality of living, improve the economy. Mm. You know, create jobs. Um, but we all know that also the limitations in terms of resources and capacitation of governments, you know, um, and that's where, that's why, as I said, we promote the with approach where citizens and government are working collectively, even in the space of the economy, Yeah, you know, um, which is why we have an entrepreneurship and financial inclusion space that, you know, citizens should be active players in economic activities you know, to help drive development. Um, you know, we have a, we've seen a huge increase in, you know, African entrepreneurship or growth of entrepreneurship, but obviously it's still, there needs to be shaped and manifested in a way that, you know, we're promoting um, at times even more of a socially focused or social kind of enterprise model mm-hmm. that yes, we're making money, but we're also then dealing with some of the challenging and wicked problems that the continent is facing. Right. Um, philanthropy and communities, we, as a continent, you know, and as a people, they're assets that we have already. Um, through that, you know, in that scope of work, um, we're also trying to then rethink and reshape the development model and to say, you know, what is it that citizens or what's there already in place that is an asset that can be drawn upon um, to, you know, to advance the continent's development, to rethink the model that does it, does support always have to come from outside um, because it has, you know, disempowered citizens, you know, they're just now seen just as recipients um, of aid, you know, instead of being contributors and, you know, solution makers, who can pull and then leverage all the resources that they have to advance the kind of development um, that they want to see. I like that, you know, so you've sort of 
began talking about the three pillars, I think is what you call it, or you might have called it something else, of your organization, which is civic engagement, philanthropy, and financial inclusion. In your work, what sort of impact, that word, I mean, I try and not use, but what sort of um, impact have you seen in the work that you do in terms of materializing these things and sort of achieving the overall objective of your organization? All right. So um, with our policy tracking initiative, um, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's been slow, but I think what the, the kind of impact that we're seeing is the real emphasis. Um, and I think drive towards more um, evidence-based discussions and engagements um, in relation to, as I said, what's what's been promised, what's been done, what's not been done, where are we with certain things, um, and trying to kind of push more of a model like that of, you know, it's whatever engagements happen between citizens, citizens and the government are based upon facts, you know, uh, are based upon something that you know, is a, is a tool, it's real-time tracking, um, and evidence is collected from a myriad of sources, including even from, you know, government reports itself, from external reports, from, um, you know, it could be even local um, media sources, um, you know, so it's really then about pushing for those, you know, issues-driven um, discussion and 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 debates right. um you know around what's being done the and, and all these of, things are being done sort of uh, through uh, this think tank because I, I want to sort of uh, stress that your organization is solely focused on uh, the think tank of it all and just research and yeah. uh, creating um you know civic tech tools definitely so it it helps us then also create then platforms for engagement and dialogue um so you know the tool, this tracking tool is just one component, you know, in our tool of uh, toolbox or toolkit yeah. uh, of things that we do. You know, then we also, you know, we'll use that to host dialogues and convenings, you know, around maybe key or topical issues um, related to what we've been tracking and then use that data and information um, to you know, to guide the discussions mm. um, and to bring in like, you know, key players or key, you know, stakeholders um, around it together with citizens, citizen formation, citizen um, civil society organizations to to discuss those issues. Mm. Um, the impact that we've also seen is that, you know, when we've expand, we expanded into as I said, Zambia and Malawi with this right. initiative as well, you know, um, and now have, you know, started the process of also then working with loose networks of civil society organizations in that space who have been involved, um, you know, in issues around public accountability and monitoring of government performance um, and giving them now this tool, you know, um, for them to then also then kind of use in their advocacy work, you know, and we've seen that kind of, especially, um, you know, on as we follow them also on social media and as they, um, we've seen it prominently in Zambia, especially, you know, it it's almost like the president says that this has been done, but according to the tracker, which we're now calling African Citizens Watch and hoping to expand across the continent, you know, beyond just these three countries, you know, but, you know, Africa Citizens Watch, especially in, when you look at Zambia, you know, and the tracking tool, this is what's, you know, done. This is where things are at at the moment, you know, or the evidence that we can see that this has been done or it's not been done. You know, so then it's, as I said, the impact is that it's now given them, you know, another tool and an advocacy tool, you know, to to then engage with. But that's really also based on facts. Um, and evidence, you know, it's not just hearsay. Mm. I want to talk about, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off there, um, but I, I would like us to talk about sort of the, your involvement with the Charter Project Africa. I know that um, one of the grantees, like I said earlier, um, talk about the importance of you joining a project like this and, 
uh, and sort of how does it help you with your own work in, in Zimbabwe and Zambia and Malawi? Uh, what sort of contribution do you expect this work um, um, to have in your work rather? Um, so I think one of the key things, you know, in our engagement with them is one, it's allowed us to upscale. Um, and as I said, for us, these is the issues around really democracy and development. It's it's a continental wide issue. Mm. Um, and, you know, as I said, the platform is called Africa Citizens Watch. So there are many <laughs> countries that we still need to expand to. Right. Um, but I think it's given us the impetus to, t- you know, to showcase what this tool could potentially do and also how it can capacitate um, citizens, you know, um, and those at the forefront of advancing change, you know, and I think a more, you know, quite a more simpler but still comprehensive way in which citizens can, you know, actively engage and see the extent to which their governments um, are performing. It's it's also the engagement with the Africa Charter Fund has also allowed us to um, showcase what we do at um, the continental level. Um, so Andrew made reference to it earlier. We also participated in um, an engagement to develop um, guidelines of how youth can be involved, you know, in, in advancing more innovative ways to advance um, democracy on the African continent, you know, and we got to then showcase that this is the tool that we use, you know, together with a myriad of other partners drawn across the African continent, you know, and I think it's those networking um, engagements, you know, sharing of ideas become really important. Um, I remember at that meeting, you know, there was a colleague from Egypt you know, and they said, we have a something similar, you know, but the way you do it, like, I think we need to collaborate to kind of maybe, you know, draw lessons from how you are doing it because ours is there, but it's not quite, you know, as extensive and as broad as this, you know, so how then can we, can we also then learn from what you've done to, to refine, you know, what we're doing, you know, and, and enhance, um, you know, us being able to hold our government to account, but also to be able to then track, you know, in a more robust manner, mm. it's what is really happening. It's interesting because, I mean, that when you, you touch on collaboration and that, that was the next question I was going to ask about, you know, collaboration and, and what sort of role that plays in your, um, in Civio Institute, right? Because the project itself, Charter Project Africa, focuses on collaboration between citizens, civic initiatives and African Union policymakers. Uh, so I was very interested in, in, in sort of the the role that collaboration uh, plays in, in, in Civio Institute. Have you seen, and, and I know you've spoken about people who are interested in collaborating with you, but have you seen sort of the fruits of collaboration in your work and would you recommend it for other people in, in sort of the, the civic tech space? Definitely. Um, collaboration is extremely important for us. Um, it's a pillar that we have, we call it well, a tool of work we call it networking networking slash collaboration right so it's something that's extremely important for us because we're you know we're we see ourselves as a pan-african institute mm. but we also know that our reach and our stretch can, can only go so far right, you know right. um and so definitely we need to collaborate with others um in terms of you know, this agenda and this, the vision that we're trying to, to, to drive and to achieve. Mm. Um, But, and also realizing that the role, you know, and collaboration, even with citizens. So, you know, making sure that we provide um, necessary tools, information platforms that citizens can use, you know, it's because at the end of the day, it's, that movement, that wave of citizens that, you know, really needs to then be at the forefront and advancing um, and, you know, engaging around the kind of, you know, democracy and development that they want to see, engaging with their, with their governments. Um, that, so for us, that collaboration becomes important. Collaboration with other civil society organizations on the tech front. Yes, mm-hmm. um, definitely. Because, 
we also don't have all the ideas. We're always looking for ways of, yes. you know, how do we refine? But, you know, as I said, others also maybe being able to draw from maybe what we've done. How then can we also then, you know, cross collaborate um, and, you know, engage? I think because the the one thing that is kind of clear is states somehow or governments somehow manage to almost sometimes, you know, kind of read from the same kind of playbook in terms of, you know, how they're going to engage citizens or how, right. you know, the extent to which, or you know, around governance issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it seems like what, you know, we're noticing a trend, you know, in some of the other work that we're doing of, you know, a shrinking civic space, you know, that's, that's, across the continent you know it's, it's it's even across the world but then how then do we work with others um in this space collaboration becomes important as well because the pot or pool of resources that we're working with are also are also limited you know um but if we can pool resources you know as a civil institute together with you know colleagues in malawi colleagues in nigeria you know to work on something that can have continental impact that becomes important. Right. Um, it was good, you know, as I said, with um, civic the Civic Charter Fund that we were able to, you know, get opportunities to, as I said, showcase and talk about things that we do um, at sub-platforms or platforms that, you know, really then speak to Africa, African Union um, level decision makers, you know, and implementers. Um, so that collaboration becomes important as well. So if for us, it's, you know, we, we can't do this on our own. Mm. The collaboration is going to be important. Um, if we're really going to drive, you know, and push for an, a more inclusive society across the African continent. Right. And and my last question to you is it's probably going to be more philosophical than really is is it is like directed to your work. I know civic tech is a very important part of your project, right? Well, one of the questions that I ask consistently on the podcast is really about how you sort of balance the civic and the tech in the projects, because a lot of people are doing, you know, we're doing tech work. And so this has to be very tech heavy. And some people go like, oh, but this is very, you know, we're trying to do civic work and it has to be civic heavy and then the tech falls off. How do you sort of balance that? How do you balance the civic and the tech? Or is balance important at all? There has to be a balance, definitely. Um, And the premise of this is that a tool... And this is really what the tracker is, you know, a tool or repository of information is only as good as the way it can then be used, you know. So we really then push really for an advocacy component, um, you know, as well as, you know, training, um, you know, because ultimately it must also help in advancing citizen agency um, and, you know, kind of reshaping and redefining what it means to be a citizen um you know and and how that then fits in towards you know driving a more um a different kind of democracy and and development um you know so and i think it's it's a challenge we still grapple with i don't think we found the perfect you know, method is yet, <laughs> you know, but we realize that it's important, um, you know, because the platform could be there, it could be doing all this great work and it could be tracking and we could write reports about it, you know, and it just becomes this kind of white elephant that's gathering dust, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, you know, but what? how then... You know, does it then become something important to, as I said, to mobilize agent to to sh- enhance the agency of citizens? You know, how is this, as I said, just as a tool that helps them to frame and shape, you know, the demands um, and what they want to see um, from government, from their respective governments, um, and with if if there isn't that balance. Um, so one of the things, you know, that we hope to then 
advance and use um, this tool for, you know, we, we did it a little bit within the initial formal grant period with the project, but we definitely know that it's something that we still need to keep on working on is that, yes, this tool is here, but like, what do you do with it and how then does it enhance you know, the work of civil society, the work of citizens, the work of civil society organization, other non-state actors, you know, in creating more democratic spaces, more accountable spaces. Right. Um, in their in their respective countries. So there's definitely got to be um that balance. The right. tech is good. I, I think it's 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 a stepping stone towards something, but it's not a means to an end within in itself mm, yeah right yeah so that balance is very important uh, and i think that's a, an important message i think uh to developers who are still you know starting out a tool that they, they think is very interesting and i'm so happy that we we had this episode and, and we spoke to you edda um i know that people might be interested in how they reach you can you tell us a little bit more about um how people sort of get in contact with you if they want to collaborate etc sure so um the quickest way um, to get to us is by email. <laughs> right. Um, our email address is info, so I-N-F-O, or small letters, at Civio Institute, S-I-V-I-O, Institute, or one word, dot org. Um, we are also across, you know, the main social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, as well as on LinkedIn. Um, our handle is at Civil Institute. So, you know, and people can even drop direct messages there. But if they contact us on the info at civilinstitute.org email address, it'll come straight to my desk and you know, we can take it from there. Thank you so much, Edda. I've enjoyed talking to you. Uh, for people who are interested in finding out about the Sevier Institute, please check out the description uh, on this episode and also check out our show notes uh, to learn more about the Charter Project Africa, the Sevier Institute and other uh, grantees uh, that we're going to be talking about uh, in this program. Thank you so much, Edda. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure getting to right. talk to you and to your audience. This concludes this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast Podcast and uh, please see the episode description for all the places you can follow and engage with the Civic Tech Innovation Network. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vids.